leadership is as a skill and what are the elements in creating that skill and that uh, you know it's a big big task and uh, all our business owners go through that themselves and it, no matter how big or small or your business uh, leadership is still uh, quite important there. I always say there's a huge difference between a manager and a leader. Hello and welcome to Trillions. I'm your host, Elise Grace, and today I'm chatting with Brian White, third generation leader and joint chairman of the privately owned Ray White Group. Founded in 1902, Ray White is the largest real estate franchise group in Australasia with over 1,000 offices, employing over 13,000 people and an annual turnover in excess of $39 billion. On this episode, Brian emphasizes the importance of having a strong why and shares some valuable advice to all business people. I do apologize for the audio on this one. Bear with me while I work out a solution for these remote interviews. This episode is sponsored by Xenox Diamonds. They're offering you a free upgrade to platinum with any engagement or wedding ring purchase. Find them on Queen Street in Brisbane or order online. Find out more in the description. Brian White, the chairman of Ray White. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. Pleasure to be here, Elise. So uh, Ray White, it all started back in 1902, Brian, can you give us a, a quick background about the history um, about your grandfather and, and how it all began for him and, and why he started a real estate company? Well, we trace our forebears right back to the first fleet and eventually um, Ray White was born. He was born in Hobart. The family had moved to Hobart or generations, descendants had moved to Hobart. And um, his father had a brother in Thargaminda in Western Queensland who had a general store and uh, he was unwell and asked Ray's father, who was, of course, living in Hobart, would he come and look after the store? So you can imagine um, the journey from Hobart to Sydney on a sailing boat and then overland by Cobb and Co, the family. Um, you know, um, four kids and parents and, um, you know, to, to help this brother out of Western Park I mean, and get there and find out the business really wasn't worth looking after anyway. Um, and eventually they came, um, wandered away from Thargaminda, came in closer, a place called Crow's Nest. I had no idea why they went to Crow's Nest, but um, that's... Um, Great sauce out there. Yes, it's a long way. I mean, it's probably bad as, you know, probably as far away as Bundaberg. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but the, uh, and eventually, as a young man, he's only about 24 in a tiny town, he just was restless and wanted to open a business. And he opened a business in a railway goods yard. Uh, Crow's Nest was the end of the rail line from Toowoomba going north. And you can have, imagine the, the shunting yards and things. And there's a, a store on the shunting lines that was disused and he opened a business there. And uh, fortunately, we were able to find that old shed that had been moved and bashed, you know, when the railway line was pulled up and so forth. And for our centenary, we were able to reposition the shed and had it restored as it was in a beautiful historical village in Crow's Nest. Eventually, I think he was a restless man, Ray. Um, he decided to take his chance in Brisbane 
which must have seen a big city in those days yeah. from, compared to Christmas. And uh, he moved to Brisbane and um, repositioned and started there. And uh, my father joined sort of around about the wartime. Um, and uh, he took over the business, rebuilt it after the war. And then I was the third generation and with my brother Paul. Oh, very cool. And it wasn't just real estate Ray was selling in the early days. Was it goods and chattels and, and livestock and things like that as well? Anything, yes. Yeah. That's right. He was an auction. He had pig yards. He had his own set, uh, unique pig yards where he'd auction pigs. <laughs> and it was one of those settles where um, a lot of dairy uh, dairy products and um, um, well, crows, yeah, it's quite a fertile surrounds crow's nest and there are a lot of German um, farmers had come and that's, you know, that settled in and away they went. Oh, fantastic. And so um, you've been in, in charge of the business for quite some years now. What does Ray White look like currently in terms of size um, in Australia, internationally, and, and how many offices do you have? Well, we have over a thousand offices now. Um, as, of course, Australia is our prime market, but we're very, we've got a fantastic business in New Zealand. Um, where we're certainly one of the major groups in New Zealand. We claim to be the largest network now in Indonesia. We have um, a very big business up there. Um, we have an office in um, Hong Kong um, and uh, some other offices that are opening up in Europe, um, still very small. But we're very ambitious um, as a family. It's still a family business. Um, one of the things that's guess families have is every generation wants to take the business further than the previous generations and I think that's the case now my my sons are now are the leaders in the business and uh, it's a great joy to see the impact they're having yeah yeah I'm aware that you guys now do um, home loans and also uh, Ray White investing so um, I'm, I'm guessing that that's a property fund that people can invest in is that correct Yes, that's right. We have a number of clients who like to, um, we have a specialist division that uh, does manage investments and uh, that's, um, that's you know, done very well. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, well, that's great that each generation grows the business and they're not complacent and they've still got that drive and ambition. So how, how do you think, Brian, that that's been nurtured through the generations? Because sometimes they say that the, th the second and third generation kind of screw things up because I haven't been brought up with the, uh, the rough and tough, but how, how have you raised such an ambitious growth oriented uh, family? Oh, it's, it's a, I mean, you've got to give credit to their, to their mother. Their mother's been a very um, strong influence and uh, we've, clearly we think a lot about it, uh, how wife families have that reputation of not being able to survive the second generation. And we've um, uh, been involved in a number of conferences overseas on family businesses. And um, I, I, the, there's a phrase, of course, first generation starts the business, second generation creates them, third generation buggers it up. Okay. You've heard that, I guess. Yes, I have. Um, my um, comment to that is that the real thing is first generation starts it the second generation uh, really creates something and then buggers up the succession. They create a succession that's not going to work. And uh, we've been very careful in ensuring that succeeding generations, it's going to work. And um, so many arrangements have not worked out because uh, it's been unrealistic 
okay, what's been expected of them. Yeah. So do you, you kind of give free reign uh, to some extent where they can use their own innovative mind um, and their own generational ideas to grow the business, obviously? Of course. I mean, that's all I had that. And um, uh, what I'm going to have a different policy towards the next generation. No, they, they, they have the ability and the rights to take control and be the, be the leader and um, have, take responsibility for the continued development. It's um, been very, very wonderful to see that, um, that happening. Yeah, it must be fantastic watching the business grow um, and your son's taking mm. it on board. So um, in 1972, take us back, Brian, when your dad, Alan, uh, announced that he was passing on the role of running the business to you. What were your biggest challenges at the time? Uh, so you were sitting there, your dad just walked out of the office. What, did, what was the first thing that you did and, um, and, and what was your learning, some of your learning experiences? Well, the first challenge um, was defining when my father left the business, um, he had other things he wished to do. Uh, his parting words were be a good leader. And um, it's very good to say someone be a good leader, but you know what, what's the difference between a leader and a manager? It's a huge subject, and uh, uh, most people are not born leaders. Uh, of course, only a, a fraction of people you regard as saying, "Oh, he's a born leader," and it's that sort of attitude that if you're not a born leader, well, you can't be a leader. Uh, I know that is not correct. There are a number of disciplines that uh, can be that should be adopted and if followed through, then uh, leadership becomes, becomes you know, quite an asset. Um, and then, of course, the other thing that happened at that time was the, I'll call it the Gough Whitlam years, um, which was that first oil um, uh, crisis, when oil prices went and the world went into a deep recession and um, suddenly the seed market just collapsed around you. Um, we had a number of offices that, we used to have and um, everything was losing money. So it was a pretty challenging time to take over the responsibility of, uh, take, of, uh, of a family business. So how, did you how did you develop yourself? Was it reading books? Was it um, speaking to some people to mentor you? Was it um, touching base with your dad once a week? Like uh, you literally were sitting in an office and, and you'd just been handed over the reins to the, the business. So um, what exactly did you do to grow yourself? Well, it's all of, all of those things. Um, understanding that um, leadership is as a skill, and what are the elements in creating that skill? And that uh, you know, it's a big, big task. And uh, all our business owners go through that themselves, and it, no matter how big or small or your business, uh, leadership is still uh, quite important. I always say there's a huge difference between a manager and a leader. So we do encourage our business owners to become leaders. And, you know, a lot of our work is in giving confidence that people can become a leader, whereas for most of their lives they've they probably thought, well, you know, that's I'm just one of you know, just a member of the team, and not actually standing out as being the leader. Yeah. So you've mentioned the three pillars of leadership. Can you can you tell the audience what those are? 
Well, the key, the key thing is knowing what you want. And um, a lot of people are not too sure what it is they want. Um, they get talked into it or, you know, it sounds good, but, you know, just how deep is that want? And uh, do your people know what it is that you do want? And quite often that's not very clear. And then I always say the third one is, um, you know, making sure um, that all works and uh, there's a consistency. I always say there's no holiday in leadership. You can't be a, a leader in a, during the week and then um, a non-leader on the weekend, so to speak. Sure. So you're always, you're always on show as a leader, so it's important to, um, to lead by example wherever you go, whenever you go. Uh, how, how is that um, possible? You know, if, you, if you're still going to live your life, um, is, it, is it by living by the Warren Buffett saying that um, every, everything you judge about what you're about to do, think about would you be proud if it was to be on the front page of a, of a you know, nationally published newspaper? How, how do you think like a, a leader? I mean, you've still got to live your life and enjoy time with family. So how, how do you get that balance? Well, that all works nicely. I think it, uh, I don't see the, the frictions and all of that. Um, it, yeah, it's, you, you, you create a good business, you want to have a good life. Um, you want to be able to do some things that uh, give some breadth to your life. And um, so that's... Um, that that's not contradiction to leadership. Sometimes people think, oh, if I'm a leader, it means I can't do anything else. No, it's it's not. That's I don't accept that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, um, bit of a diversion in conversation, but what's been one of the Ray White Company's biggest challenges? You mentioned before the Gough Whitlam times when you took over the business. Um, I mean, you you personally were responsible for a lot of the franchising of Ray White. What, uh, what's been some major challenges and what have you learned from those? The, um, well, the leadership counts. Um, probably our big challenge, we were just a, uh, a South East Queensland business and to realise that in the long term, that wasn't going to be good enough. Um, we need to be national. And that, so that was a, a big decision to take. And then to seize opportunities. Uh, New Zealand's been it's just a, a wonderful experience for us. And surrounding countries, um, uh, it's... Um, it, and, and providing other services. You mentioned the, the loan market, which is a family um, um, initiative. And that's bringing um, a lot of um, benefit to many people that uh, a number of whom are clients of Ray White, but a huge number are not. Uh, it's, it's a very broad um, service and, you know, very broad range of, um, um, of, of people who relate to loan market. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I can understand how expanding internationally would be, would be challenging. Um, speaking of international, I'm aware that you go and spend time at Harvard. Is that something you still do? And, and, and why do you take yourself all the way to the US yearly to learn from Harvard? <laughs> well, it's a great experience. There's nothing like uh, 
going to Harvard and um, going into their hallowed walls and listening to their best speakers. Um, there are a number of their professors that we've got very close to over time, and some you know they um, we host them here in Australia for our people. So it's um, it's all it's all part of being at the cutting edge and staying at the cutting edge. And Talk about mindset too, Brian. Um, obviously, being in your position, you're observing other businesses coming up and, um, and being established. What do you think is, uh, is something that this generation does really well that perhaps they weren't doing um, in your generation or your grandfather's? A lot of the well, time, they're, they're obviously, of the time, people are quick to criticise the new generations. But um, what's some things that you think that we're doing that's great? Oh, well, you, I mean, you're a masters of all these new breakthrough technologies, <laughs> and um, how sensational are some of the things that you're doing? My generation, the generation before, you know, just just they, all that did not exist. It was just not. Um, it's just. It's, it's a miracle when you actually keep hearing so much of um, of what is now possible to do, and uh, for them to master that, master the new technologies and skills, and um, preserve some of the key values that um, um, have worked and been shown to be important is uh, is is wonderful to see. Wonderful to see them achieving that. Oh, great! That's that's great news. So the audience can um can keep going with all their technological um utilization and that's well, so it's a you know it's blending blending all of that and with with the personal issues. Um, you know, we're still running companies comprising of people, and understanding their needs and um and so forth. Um, it's a it's a it's a great blend when you when you get when you achieve that. Yeah. So um. So do you think that it's still obviously possible to lead people through technology and, um, and utilise it to make systems more efficient? Um, what's something that you think that, that this generation could improve on it and do a lot better? It's something that's been lost through the years. Oh, I don't... Um, that's a great question. I, ha I haven't... Um, I, th I think the current generation is pretty astonishing. Yeah. What about entrepreneurs and people who um, who live? For me, for example, Brian, it's it's a wonderful age to be living through. We've got so many different options of things to do and and businesses we can build with resources at our fingertips, answers to questions on YouTube, Google, um, literally information on how to how to do anything is available. But sometimes um, people feel overwhelmed for choice. Uh, What's your advice to those entrepreneurs who are a little bit distracted? They're trying to chase two rabbits or um, they don't know which path to choose for life. What's your advice to them? Oh, gosh, what questions, Ed? I mean, I understand the challenges that this brings and how uh, the decisions that have to be taken um, where I, that didn't was not an issue in my time. So, um, it, you know, it, it is a big challenge for them. And um, uh, it's a, it, fantastic when you see them uh, being able to blend all that together. Very, It really is. Yeah. So, spoiled for choice. If, if I have the choice between 
two different businesses. So um, property or I'm building a tech business and I, I love both, but um, how do I, how do I choose one? Would it be go with what my heart desires or would it be go with what I'm most skilled at or um, what I have most influence in? Uh, what are your thoughts? I feel, I feel like we're really support for choice, which is a great problem to have. It is, a, it is a fabulous problem to have. But in the end, it's a choice that probably you need to say, looking back at some stage, am I glad I made those choices? Uh, can you predict in the future and think, hmm, what, what, what would I wish to have done? And it comes back a little bit back into leadership, isn't it? What is it that you, that you want? Um, that so many uh, so skilled in technology that um, for them to be able to exploit that and to use um, their insights to create new processes must be a fabulous feeling. It is pretty cool. It, it's, uh, it can be overwhelming, mm. but it's... Um it's a great era that we're living through with technology right now. It is obviously tough with, um, with the world environment, with all this coronavirus stuff happening, but um, it's all about mm. adapting and pivoting and, and finding the, op the hidden opportunities in, in all the mud. So um, mm. that's, that's what I believe anyway, and that's how I'm living my life through this period. Um, so in terms of mindset, Brian, when, when things got tough for you as a leader, uh, because you are a leader uh, as the chairman of Ray White, um, what, what do you like to do when times get tough and, and the spotlight's on you and you need to be a good leader? How, what's, how do you cultivate the, the type of mind that's strong and, and can push through those challenges without jumping off a building, for example? How, how do you be a good leader and keep a strong mindset? Oh, God, that's a, that's a question of enormous complexity, isn't it? Um, yeah. I suppose when you go through your tough times, it's a test of just, how much you really want to succeed. And I've been blessed, of course, in knowing my grandfather, uh, knowing where the company started, uh, knowing how brilliant my father was um, and his love for the business and the people. So you know, I was, I've been blessed. Um, it's not something that I could ever be interested in doing anything else. So you go by personal experiences rather than becoming an expert. And for me, um, it must, it must be inspiring, Brian, coming from um, grassroots almost 120 years ago um, and, and mm. seeing your grandfather push through the, the times that he did and your father. Um, you must reflect on them and, and the challenges that they had and think, well, what I've got right now is not so bad. I'll just keep going. <laughs> well, imagine we're talking about the coronavirus and the impact here. Now, imagine uh, the Second World War. Here is a business that... Um, was still relatively new. Um, you know, he'd been through the Great Depression. He'd come, he'd brought his business to um, to Brisbane, and then uh, the Great Depression, and so forth. Then suddenly, the Second World War. Imagine what would be happening to business in Australia now if there was a war declared between, say, Australia and and well, I don't know, China or well, it was against Japan. Yeah. Everything stops. You know, your people go off marching to war. The market. You know, I keep wondering, how, all those years in the Second World War, what, what it did to businesses. Yeah. And uh, to some degree, we're, yeah, this is something that's similar. It won't be any, it's not going to go on for six years or so as it, uh, as, you know, as it did before. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you could, almost, you could almost say that what, how we've got it now is is nowhere near as bad. I mean, there's there's no bombs mm. going off, which is great. Infrastructure's no. not not being ruined. We're just being told to stay indoors. Mm. Um, there's some limitations which mm. we may not like, but they're mm. only temporary. So um, that's a great way of looking at it, comparing to something that's worse, for sure. Mm. All right, and um, and legacy, Brian. What's what's your legacy? What do you want? the world to think of you once once you're gone and the business that you've uh you've taken on board and grown well my legacy is my family and uh that's uh that speaks for itself yeah of course and what about people who don't have um a strong family business they're um maybe they're the first generation in their family to start something revolutionary um what um what tips do you have from them? Let's pretend that Ray White was um, was a brand new business when you took it on board. What advice do you have for people starting a business from the, the ground up? <laughs> well, it's the same as for a lot of our new business owners. They've started a new business and um, uh, you know, they have an opportunity to create something that brings value to their communities. Uh, brings value to the people that work for them and gives them a sense of achievement. And it's a, um, it's pretty, pretty special opportunity to, um, to feel that you actually go out and say, look what I have created and look at the, the reputation I've achieved. And, and that's achieved by the fact that the, the community um, use you. Community says, no, I want you to be the person to help me through this quite big decisions, nothing, you know, outside family issues. There's not too many bigger decisions than where you live, buy it, sell it, you know, sell your own domestic property or an investment property. And that, that's, so um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to portray a pretty exciting opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And uh, just a couple more questions. What, what do you love about property? Obviously, there's many different things we can invest in. There's... Um, Stocks, bonds, EFTs, oh, sorry, ETFs, um, there's, um, there's property portfolios, there's all different types of things we can invest in. Why, why do you love property? Well, I love property because that's the business my father and grandfather um, was in. Yeah. And uh, sort of growing up into that is, um, you know, it was pretty natural. But it's, uh, I, I, I love it because it's, it's, there's such big decisions. I love um, um, the thought that we've been able to facilitate and, and make it easier for people to either buy property and have it properly financed and so forth. Uh, it's very satisfying. It's a very satisfying, not just because, you know, you love homes or houses, but just from the fact how it works in with people and that, um, you yeah, know, this, the joy, you know, when someone buys a property, um, say at auction, um, you yeah, know, the, the joy, the crabs, you know, people champagne, let's drink, you know, let's, let's, let's toast um, to the success and toast to our, our future, we're going to be living here. My God, just think our, you know, our family will thrive in this particular home we bought. So it's, it's a mixture of all that. Yeah. Versus um, just buying a 
you know, a bunch of stocks through a screen or uh, through a, a broker. It, uh, it's a very, it sounds like a very different feeling. I, I um, personally can't mm. relate, but mm. yeah, but um, yeah, I can totally understand where you're coming from. Brian, I like to change the interview around just for one question and, and ask you what's one question you have for me. So you get to be the interviewer for, for one question. So um, <laughs> what's something that you would, uh, you would you'd ask me? What question I ask of you? Yeah, anything. Is when, when, are you, when are you going to come and join us, our company and become one of, one of our star real estate operators? Um, I, uh, I actually did work for one of your franchises for, um, for three days, but, um, he didn't, oh, really? he didn't like me. So it's not, a, not quite a career, is it? <laughs> I, um, I got my real estate certificate, Brian, and I was dead set on becoming, uh, one of Queensland, if not Australia's top agents. And I sought out one of your best franchisees and, um, and agents. And I, I hunted him down and I hassled him until he hired me. But it didn't work out. Um, but you can, you can, uh, you can know that I've worked for Ray White for a period of days. Mm. I think it's a great company. I, I love working for companies with mm. history. Um, like I said to you before the interview, my great grandfather was in property and horse and dog racing um, in in Brisbane, um, and then my grandfather was worked for Chandler's and uh, as a salesman um, um, and built his own business, Retrovision. After that, so I've come from a steady sales background, and I'm very proud of that. Um, and I've worked worked in sales successfully myself, and and now it's my mission to build a business that impacts many thousands of people all around the world as well. So um, it looks like I'll be doing it on my own, Brian. I won't be doing it for you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a shame. But that that is what I you to ask. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, um, is there anything else important that you think that an audience of business people, male and female, and entrepreneurs should know from you? Oh, there's some, I mean, it's, it, it, you talk about sort of broad questions. I love sort of relating to people on the individual issues. I mean, every person's different. Everyone um, has got you know, different ambitions and different elements that are influencing them. And uh, it's never to forget that when you're talking, to, you know, are talking to individuals, and and fully respecting that is just so important. Yeah, everybody deserves love, and everybody deserves to be spoken to with respect. And is that what you're inferring? So I say. Hmm. Oh, that th I think that's fantastic advice. Thank you, Brian, to remind us all that. We're all human beings on this planet, just trying to make a living and get by and and um, and do something great um, within our own abilities. So, yeah, I really thank you for your time, Brian, and coming on to the Trillions podcast. I hope the audience you've got a lot of value from this. Um, and I'll I'll pop Brian's details. Are you on social media at all, Brian, or not really? If yeah, the, sure. If the audience wanted to get in contact with you. How could they do that? Um, Somebody wants to start a uh, franchise or work for Ray White. How can they go about doing that? Well, it's probably best by email. It's probably ideal. Okay, no worries. Well, I'll pop those details in the description below. But yeah, Brian, thank you again. What was that? I'm not, and I'm not going to give up on the thought of you coming into our organisation, becoming a star. Okay. 
Okay, well, um, I'm open <laughs> to opportunities always, so we can do that after the podcast. All right, thank you, Brian, again for your time. I really appreciate it. Beautiful. Thank Cheers. You. Thanks for tuning in with me as your host, Elise Grace. Do me a favor and drop me a review on iTunes or if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Would love to know what you guys think of the podcast. It helps me keep creating killer content just like this. If you want to stay up to date with all my movements, please check me out on social media at Elise Grace.